Today is the 20 year anniversary of 9-11. So we decided to make this bonus episode of the podcast to commemorate that. I wanted to issue a content warning for this episode because we deal with some heavy topics. So of course we talk about the terrorist attacks that happened on 9-11, which are horrific and violent and involve so much loss of life. My guest is Obed Lamy, and we also talk about his new film, which is a documentary about racial violence and lynching. So this is a pretty heavy episode. I wanted you to be warned before you listen. That said, Obed shares some fascinating thoughts, so I'm excited for you to hear it if you're up for it. All right, on to the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today we're bringing you a bonus episode. This episode is releasing on September 11th, 2021, which is the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. There are a number of new documentaries about 9-11 out recently, so I decided to have a documentarian on the show to talk about one of them. The film is 9-11 Inside the President's War Room, which takes a close look at President George W. Bush and his staff during the 24 hours of September 11th, 2001. It is streaming now on Apple TV+. More about that in a few minutes. My guest is a wonderful filmmaker named Obed Lamy, a documentarian who is very interested in 9-11 and American history in general, and he has some fascinating insights to share in today's conversation. Interestingly, Obed was born and grew up in Haiti, which gives him a really unique perspective on American culture and politics. Obed came on the show previously to discuss the documentary Boy State, and at that time he told us about his documentary short film, A Promising Voice. Well, that film ended up winning Filmland 2020 and earning him some acclaim, and today we're going to talk about his new film. It's called Once Forgotten, and it tells the true story of some enslaved men in 1800s Arkansas who died by lynching. The film is incredibly moving and very well made, and I'm so thrilled to welcome Obed back to the show today. Obed Lammy, welcome back to Art House Garage. How are you today? Hey, Andrew. Thank you for having me again. It's It was yesterday we had <laughs> uh, our first episode, and here I am back again. Yes. So thank you for having me. <laughs> Time flies. Well, I'm so excited to have you because uh, I just saw that you post on Instagram. You had a new film coming, and I was like, I immediately messaged you. Like, oh, I want to watch that. Can I? Can I see it? And can we talk about it on the podcast? And um, so I'm so glad we did. Your film is once forgotten, and we'll we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, we're also going to talk about this 9-11 documentary, and we kind of talked about you know, what should we discuss on the podcast uh, outside of your film, and found out you are very interested in 9-11, and you've been yeah. watching lots of things about it, so I'm excited to to hear your take on on the film we decided to discuss. Um, well, let's talk about your film. So, Once Forgotten, it tells a story of three uh, enslaved men who were lynched here in uh, in Arkansas, in northwest Arkansas, in Washington County, and you have um, a number of, of experts kind of on this, and, and um, the, the people you interview in this in this film are, are really wonderful and have so many insights about the story and kind of digging into the truth of what really happened. Because um, as we get into the film, we we hear like the story that has been out there maybe is not the truth, and um, you also just interview uh, these people about kind of 
what lynching uh the, the place it has in history and kind of what it represents. Uh, and it's really, really fascinating to hear. So I'm curious, how did you first become aware of the story of, of Anthony Randall and Aaron, who, who were these three enslaved men who, who were lynched? Okay, so interestingly, I was called to work on that project from my pro- two of my professors. So they have been in contact with the Washington County Remembrance Project. So this is a local organization here in Fayetteville or in Washington County mm-hmm. that has been working on um, stories about lynching here in Washington County. So they have done extensive work on researching the story of these three men. So um, they, I guess, started to work on that project maybe in 2017 mm-hmm. or 18. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was on that phone call, not phone call, Zoom meeting with my professor and they were like, yes, Obed, we have a project for you. And what is it to lynching? And I could barely understand, understood what they were, what they were talking about because everything was so confusing for me. Um, but I knew I wanted to give it a shot. Mm. I'm very interested in these kind of stories, you know, um, trying to know a little bit about the community, trying to dig deep into history. So um, yeah, so that's basically my introduction to that um, project. So, and later on I had to meet with all the people who are involved in that organization. And also because it was during COVID, that was a little bit challenging because Mm -hmm you know, everything had to go through an email and also yeah. Zoom. Um, but over time, and with the support of, you know, the community, the people involved um, with the Remembrance Project and also my professor and other people at the university, the process has been a little bit feasible, not necessarily easy. So yes, that's basically um, my introduction to that story. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to, to gather all the footage you needed and how long did it take you to, to edit it? Um, I started to work on that project maybe late August or se- beginning of September, 2019 last year. Mm, okay. It was supposed to be a very short term project, like something we should have completed in by December 20 oh I'm talking about 2020 sorry so I started in August in August late August 2020 so it was supposed to be a short-term project something we should have completed in maybe by December 2020 Mm -hmm. but actually because I am an overthinker and also I was trying (laughs) to be right it took me personally quite sometimes to sometime to really understand the story what you know, specifically uh, at stake. And also because there are so many stories or film or documentaries about lynching out there, my challenge was how do I tell a story about lynching but from a different perspective? Mm -hmm. So it took me quite some time to figure out what is the story, how do I tell that story? And also visually, because we are talking about three men and we have any imagery about them. So how do we tell that story? How do we make sure they are the center of the story 
even if we have, you know, any archive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to show who they are. So along the way, I had to think about, you know, different um, plan. You know, at first we were talking, we were thinking about having animation, and I was like, well, that might be a little bit too lazy because um, if I have animation, that means I don't do the work it takes to, you know, yeah, tell that story and um, center the story around them while we don't see them. Mm-hmm. And another challenge also was, you know, how because the film was going to be um, made up and, and in fact is made up with a lot of talking head interviews, this is not necessarily my favorite style of filmmaking, but I had to rely on that because this is, you know, historical documentary. You have to interview yeah. experts and witnesses and people who are close to the story. But I was also thinking very hard to see how I can still go that way, but try to avoid the documentary to be boring or to be, you know, a lecture. Yeah. So, um, and now to gather the footage, one of the things, it took me a year actually, but I had to pause because sometimes I, many times I, I've been lost. I don't know where I am going with that story. Mm-hmm. I've been filming all the places. I've been shooting interview. I've been, you know, gathering some archive and I am lost. I don't know where I am going with that story. But my professor, Colin Dustin, she's been very helpful. She has helped me to, you know, center and to structure the story. Um, so yes, so one thing we that was clear in my mind from the go was that I need to make it a story about Northwest Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So I can help the viewer to see this you know, region differently because there is an assumption that, which might be true actually, Northwest Arkansas is very diverse today. You know, Fayetteville we have, mm-hmm. actually there is someone in the film who talks about that. Um, Fayetteville, we have the university, we have many big companies in Northwest Arkansas and we have people from all over the world. But there is this backstory. There is this backstory of that place that we need to know about. So that's why you would see at the beginning of the film, I try to showcase some, you know, um, imagery about Northwest Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So I can get people into that place as we see it today. And then we take a step back to talk about the story of the three men. And also one of the thing um, I have, I did, at the very last, not last minute maybe, is to incorporate archive, archival mm-hmm. imagery about, you know, Black history in America, because we also wanted to, you know, tell the story of these three men, but also put it in a bigger context of lynching in America, or also how do we tell story in America? What kind of story we tell? who is selling the stories and and how should yeah. we how should we understand history so to me it's a story about story yeah absolutely i think that's that definitely comes through and so you mentioned there's a lot of talking heads and and that's true I, they they are all saying really fascinating things so i think that um like they never 
got too slow or anything for me at least uh, because all the people you're interviewing are, are really um, fascinating. Uh, you have Rowan Elliott, who is the program director of the Washington County Community Remembrance Project that you mentioned, um, and, and she she does a lot of wonderful things to kind of connect it to modern day and and say why does this history matter and you're right like northwest arkansas is seen as sort of the 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 progressive part of the state um and yet here we have you know a dark racial history just like a lot of other places in the state um uh, you also i think it's um Dr. Carrie uh, Banton, who she talks about like kind of what you're saying about, you know, who's who's telling the stories. Um, and so that the stories that we have recorded are largely by uh, the white people involved and in, and the and actually the family member of um, the the accuser and essentially uh, in this in this story. And, and she, she has the, the quote about, um, you know, the until the lions are the historians yeah, exactly the, uh, yeah the the history yeah, will always favor the, the hunter mm-hmm. exactly so i'm very glad you bring that because one of the things that has made the process the filmmaking process you know easier at least for me is having the chance to interview all these brilliant people they are very smart they are on point and i can make a film with each of these interview mm. Maybe some at times it was a little bit complicated for me to you know get some quotes because I did, I, I I did want to make a short film, mm-hmm. um, but you know whether it's Dr. Robinson, um, mm-hmm. the new interim chancellor at the U- University of Arkansas, talking about lynching, talking about mm-hmm. why there might be um, um, a little bit of difference between you know what the stories black people are talking about and you know what white people have been told which most of the time is considered as official history in america he's talking about that you know it has to do with slavery and the fact that black people there in many states they were not allowed to learn how to read and write that was a very interesting insight about why we are here today and you know also sharon killian she's the one who brings the black version of that story because i have to say that the story has been as you did say it also um the story has been around also for quite some time but what this film is doing is to reframe the story mm-hmm. by bringing forward the black version of the events that led to the, the lynching of the three men so and that was a little bit challenging for me also because many times I had to ask myself which story I am telling in that film because um, the family member of one of the interviewee who is a member of the, fam- the, uh, the family who accused the man she's she has extensive knowledge about what happened we have we had a very long interview and she's so gracious and so help she has been so helpful to me during the process and i had to many times you know try to recenter the story because it that involves for that for example has to do with who is talking first, for example, in the mm. field. Mm. 
-hmm. which version of the story is um needs to be first yeah mm -hmm. so it was a little bit challenging but again i'm very glad that i have been able to work with um very smart people they have all they have all contributed to um, make the process a little bit um feasible for me yeah and i, and I want to touch on what you were just saying so it's um, margaret holcomb she, she's the distant relative of the the white slave owner who um died and they were accused of uh killing him and then and that retaliation from that has led to their lynching um so she you know yeah local historian and and it's so fascinating that she's involved in all of this and is at the memorial and everything at the end of the film but i love what miss elliot says uh, at one point um it, that you know, she she talks about being proud of her heritage um and uh, this is Miss Elliot, who's the director of the the Remembrance Project, and you know her descendants were slaves and and have you know come through such incredible hardship. And then at a different point in the film, she poses the question, like, I wonder what white people think when they hear these kind of stories. Like, what were my ancestors doing at mm -hmm. this time? Like, and I that that <laughs> for me as a white viewer, um, really that stood out to me in the film. And um, you know, there's yeah, I I don't know exactly what to say that about that. Other than that, was a, a really fascinating point. That was a very powerful quote, um, and that brings you know the story um, that helps the story to be very relevant to mm -hmm. um, what what's happening in the country right now. The conversation we have about race, about racism, and about um, diversity, things like that. That was very powerful, and you know, some at some point when you see her or when you hear her saying um things like that it it forces you to pause a little bit mm -hmm. um about what we've heard before the story of the three men and then to you know think a little bit because we might have you know people nowadays saying well yes i'm a white person but I didn't enslave anyone. That's right. what mm. ancestor did. That that's not my fault. We've heard that, you know, on social media. But it doesn't mean you are guilty for what your great great grandparents did. But somehow, you should confront yourself about what you are doing now. Mm -hmm. This is a very important point. Yes. That wasn't me. It's not my fault. My great grandparents did that. But what are you doing now? And, you know, Sharon Killian, in the same line, brought, or brings the story more to the present reality when she, you know, went on mentioning some of the instances of maybe violent, racial violence in this country, talking about the case of Joy Floyd and Brianna Taylor. So, you know, all of these um, quotes or messaging, they correlate to each other and all together they make the story, I guess, powerful and also very relevant. Yeah, it is an incredibly powerful story and it's yeah relevant as you're saying. I think that's that's exactly right. Uh, I'm so glad that I've seen it. Uh, what's next for the film? Are you putting it in festivals, that kind of thing? Oh yeah, thank you for um, you know watching it, and yeah. I know you are 
you 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 love um, um <laughs> films and having people like you to watch my film is um it means a lot to me and having all your feedback too and talking about the film uh, in your podcast and i guess this is my first maybe public conversation about that film after oh, two wow. well, well actually i have to say the film also is my or was my thesis project mm-hmm. for my program um yes we have submitted we have submitted the film in a number of film festivals we are waiting for you know decision from the festival organizers and um we are also planning some public screening here in Fayetteville in different parts of the state you know we are trying to reach out to public library local communities and trying to share the story to as many people as possible because um yeah you make a film for people to watch and one thing i have learned you know during my program at the university is it it's not enough to make a film there is a lot of work to be done to share the film and make sure that people watch the film and spark conversation and with documentaries like this you really need to make sure people watch it and you know um, maybe spark conversation and I don't know if that's gonna change people's life or people's perspective perspective but at least um, I feel like anyone who watches this film can learn something Yeah, I I absolutely think that's true. And especially for people here in Arkansas who, you know, this is this is in their backyard, you know. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I'm uh, I'm so thankful that uh, that we have this film. I hope a lot of people get to see it. Thank you very much. Well, all right. From there, let's move on to uh, another documentary, one that you did not make. uh, But we are going to talk about the new film 9-11 Inside the President's War Room. It was absolutely spectacular weather. Not humid. Skies were clearer. Smoke is billowing out of the building. Network News. A plane apparently has crashed into the World Trade Center in New York. We went from a calm, beautiful day to one in which our world changed dramatically. September 11th, 2001 was the worst terrorist attack in U.S. history. Now, experience the first 12 hours surrounding the events in a way the world has never seen. Andy Carr comes up behind me and says, America's under attack. And I'm watching a child read. We needed to move the president and get him out of there. He could be a sitting duck. There was a call that said, Angel's next. Angel was the code word for Air Force One. We worried someone in the president's circle could try to take down Air Force One. Every plane had become a missile. One of the targets might well be the White House. All aircraft land as soon as possible. Mother got on the phone. She said, we're outside Milwaukee. I said, you got to be kidding me. What are you doing there? She said, you grounded our plane. In their own words, she told me her plane had been hijacked and the line went dead. That really hit home. Those at the heart of power on that unforgettable day. We did everything we knew to do. But 3,000 people died on your watch. It just gnaws at you. Come together to reveal what happened behind closed doors. She took the badge from her son's dead body, gave it to the president and said, I I want you to always remember. 
I remember the Secret Service screaming, take off your heels and run. We've never had a crisis quite like this. Of course we all were hurting. We all were terrified. The first plane was an accident. The second one was an attack. And the third one was a declaration of war. All right, let's talk about 9-11 inside the president's war room. So this is a new documentary on Apple TV Plus that, um, you know, there's a kind of a handful of a new documentary and film projects coming out around uh, around 9-11 because it's the 20-year anniversary. Uh, and this is one that, that caught my eye because it has a little bit of a unique angle. It's following just the, the president and the, his staff uh, and kind of the decision makers that day and what what their experience was like. Um, so we get some of that outside context, but it mostly relies on you to know kind of here's what happened that day. And, and now you can see, you know, what was George W. Bush doing? What was Condoleezza Rice doing? What was Dick Cheney doing? And um, it's it's pretty interesting. So I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you think about it. Uh, but first, I thought we'd talk a little bit just about. 9-11 itself. So uh, I'm so I'm curious, Obed, uh, how old were you on 9-11 of 2001? And were you aware of what was going on that day? Um, yes, I was nine years old and I was in elementary school, of course, but I can't recall any memory of that day. Um, I guess because I grew up in a small town, we didn't necessarily have access to international news organization as far as TV or newspaper, but growing up, the word or the phrase World Trade Center or the name World Trade Center was a thing, you know, in all mm-hmm. conversation. Um, I didn't know exactly what happened, but I get, I guess from um, people have, because we have a lot of people in the United States and specifically in New York, there's a big Haitian community there. I guess with um, um, circulation, Haitian people going back and forth to the United States, they and also people having access to um to to information they knew about that and you know they have you know shared small stories and that's why maybe the name world trade center was in all conversation but me personally i didn't have any memory of that day but i can tell you when i was maybe 19 20 21 i had a chance to go to it maybe for the first time maybe for the first time, uh, I had a chance to go to watch a movie in a public um, theater. And the movie was about World Trade Center. Uh, it was a very moving experience for me because to see um, um, the, the event, to see the actions, to see the, the, the big buildings collapsing and the, um, the people trying to rescue um, the victims, that was very, very moving. and. And I guess it, that those images sit in my mind for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And when I first, my first year here in the United States in 2019, I came in Arkansas in March 2019. And before I started my master program in the summer 2019, I had a chance to go to New York. And one of the things I did was to visit the 9-11 memorial. That was again a very, very moving experience. And this is really the first time I was um, very aware of the scope and the magnitude of the event because I, I, at that museum or that memorial, they, there is so much you can see to learn about what happened exactly. Um, it, it was a very moving experience and 
that that really that is still shocking to me and now um during you know over the past few weeks i have watched so many documentaries and and and, and some programs on tv on cnn for example about that day I feel like there is so much to learn in each story, each news article, each um, documentary it brings a different perspective and helps you understand what really happened a little bit better. Yeah, well, so that that's amazing that so your first movie theater movie was about the World Trade Center. Was it the the Oliver Stone film, uh, World Trade Center? Is it? Do you know? Exactly. That's With Nicolas Cage in it? Yeah. I've not seen that. That's but, it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's it. I remember that day. So I was 11 years old. I was in the sixth grade. I was living in Mobile, Alabama at the time. And you know, started out as a regular day, went to school and everything. And then at some point early in the day, um, they kind of stopped everything. And we they pulled out TVs and we watched the news all day. And it, I just remember being really confused at first. And um, it was it was really scary. I didn't realize quite how big of a deal it was at first, and then as it, the day went on and like more things were happening, um, it was it was pretty frightening. You know, I was I was a kid and I didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah, so it's it's really fascinating to hear twenty years later to see you know the impact that this horrific event had on on our country on the world, um, and it's it's fascinating to hear your perspective, uh, someone from Haiti, and um, yeah, so and and. I'm also curious. Go ahead. Go ahead. Did you, did you, 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 you were in Alabama at that time and, you know, the events happened, happened in, in New York. Was the country in like lockdown mode or like, did you go back to normal life the following day? What, what did it yeah. look like? Good question. Yeah. I think, I think next day we went pretty much back to normal. Um, I, so like I remember at the point that they said that all the airplanes were grounded, like there's no more air travel. And that, that was probably the the thing that um, like, it didn't, it didn't like affect my day that much, you know, in, in small town or actually in, in Mobile, Alabama. Um, like I didn't have to, you know, go into a bunker or anything like that. But um, whenever the air traffic was stopped, like I think my grandparents were, we're about to travel or, or we're planning to travel that day and their plane was canceled because of it. Um, but yeah, and just, I remember talking with friends about it and, and just watching the news pretty much all day uh, in our classrooms. Um, and, and I remember too, like going home and like not knowing what to do. Like, should I, should I just like watch TV? Like I normally do That feels weird. And, and so it just, it, I just remember, being kind of out of sorts because of it. And then watching the president um, address the nation that evening. But, um, but yeah, I guess life pretty much went back to normal as far as like going to work, going to school the next day. Um, but it was, you know, in the news for so long. And um, of course the, the war that began, that was obviously affecting the whole country and, and everything, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I can imagine well, I'm curious. So you are a documentarian. Uh, as as a documentarian, what do you think about this documentary? So uh, it it does it follows kind of the the decision makers, as I said, and uh, so that's a little bit of a different take on on the material. So what what do you think? Do you think this film is is well put together? Oh yes, it was. Very, it is very captivating to me because um, you know, as I said before, I've been watching a lot of you know documentaries or news program about 9/11. But one thing I was looking for was 
some insight from um, George Bush because he was the, the man of the moment. Um, so the main things I've watched before, they were talking about George Bush. There is one, there is a very fascinating program um, from that I watch on CNN that um, interviewed uh, the students and mm -hmm. the professor at the classroom that um, George Bush was visiting during that day. Um, but this documentary um, is very interesting, again, because you get to hear um, from the decision makers. But what was very interesting is that you see, you get to hear from them from a place of vulnerability. Mm. <laughs> you know, for example, they talk about, about fear, about anger, about hesitation. <laughs> and, and to me, it's interesting because um, most of the time, you know, from my Haitian perspective, from, it's not an American, you, sometimes you get to think of the United States as the most powerful country, as a country that has, um, a, that has a solution for everything. But now hearing these people, Condoleezza Rice and, and the vice president, the president uh, talking about how they didn't have option, they didn't have access to information, for example. Mm -hmm. They had confusion about what was going on, about information they received, for example. Um, one thing that was, um, that made me not smile necessarily, but I was like, hmm, is when there was information from, I guess, FBI intelligence from FBI, FBI saying that uh, the angel, which is, um, which is mm -hmm. one, was a target, and that was that put you know the whole uh, coup and the the, the people yeah. with them in panic mode. Mm -hmm. Yet later on, they learned that that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. That was a miscommunication. So, you know, I guess this documentary helps you understand how these leaders, they are also human beings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some days or in situations like this, they don't have solutions also. And I guess the whole country that they was waiting on the president to say something, to do something. And he was also one of the most maybe vulnerable people during that day so it's really interesting i because i am from a journalistic background uh -huh. when i watch documentaries interviewing um you know politicians or people who have power i sometimes expect questions that you know challenge them right yeah um, but now, being a filmmaker, I understand your role as a filmmaker sometimes is just to let people share their story, mm. um, their perspective. Um, but otherwise, I think maybe um, it's, it can be easy just to let, you know, the president, all these powerful people, you know, explain or share how they feel, why they, mm -hmm. what they did, without challenging them because, um, because, of course, you have Condoleezza Rice, for example. She, you know, had a little bit of confession saying that mm -hmm. they should have done more 
but I don't necessarily see the president in a place of, um, you know, confession. Yeah. What he did wrong. I, in, another thing I can also bring from maybe a filmmaking perspective, you, one thing I would have done differently in that film in terms of maybe artistic approach, mm -hmm. I would have, I would have shot George Bush interview center frame. Mm -hmm. He was like any other person in that film. If you don't know who is George Bush, if you don't know George Bush is the president of the United States, if you don't know his face, if you didn't read, you know, the lower third, you would not know he's, you know, the main character of the film. He is actually the main character of the film. Yeah. But I think um, I would have had, I would have had, I would have had him center frame and also, um, um, I would have, you know, pressed George Bush a little bit more to get something, you know, something more of, you know, yeah, what should have you done differently? Right. Mm -hmm. But again, I guess this is a very great work, the fact that they get the president to sit down and talk about that, even in, you know, have all these people who are around him. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree with all the things you're saying. I, I really like, um, for me, I think what's most interesting about this is it, it is almost like a, a psychological study of George W. Bush in a way. Like, you're right, he's very much the main character. And it's fascinating to like see, you know, what he was doing that day and then hear from him, uh, his perspective on it now. And um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And it, it's like there he he kept wanting to just go back to washington dc we have to get back we have to get back uh, i didn't realize like how many different places they went um, exactly that was very like, very fascinating yeah like all these air force bases know. and and his staff having to push back and saying like we can't go back it's not safe and eventually the secret service having to pull rank and saying like we we're, we're not going back it's not safe and like, i thought that was so interesting like um i think it was the secret service one of the secret service people being interviewed today said um you know Air Force One serves at the pleasure of of the Secret Service, not the president. So, like, we're not <laughs> flying this plane back to where you want to go, and and like seeing the ego involved in that too. Some like they became heated at a few points. It seemed like, um, but yeah, I I also like what you're talking about. Uh, the probably my favorite moment in the film is is near the end there, where it has Condoleezza Rice and she's really reckoning with you know what could we have done differently, and um, and it, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't seem like these interviewers like gave a lot of really pointed questions like you're saying um but it juxtaposes so condoleezza rice says you know by definition we failed like this this huge of a loss of life we failed um i would have, I would have loved to hear that from george bush instead of yeah. right and so that's what's so interesting is it cuts directly from that to him and he's they, saying they told, i feel like they had they, they gave um george a lot of softball questions <laughs> yeah, you're probably right <laughs> yeah um, but again one thing also i we, you can learn from that documentary or at least i have learned is that the system like the system is very fragile mm. or at maybe you know it's you know 10 years um 10 years since that you know happened i guess they have you know made a lot of changes you know within the white house the bunker and mm -hmm. you know, the security system of the president but you know it forced me to ask the question how much of the power the president of the united states have mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Because um, I understand he was trapped in his trip to um, that school and he was very far from Washington, but he could not make too much decision also. Mm-hmm. But if, for example, the Air Force One, they had to take the president to places they wanted to, mm-hmm. right? The president could get, could not get in, could not communicate with um, the vice president because you know issue of technology and communication. It was maybe we can sum up this film to say that this was the day that the president of the United States had less power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you really get that sense of like helplessness, like they're learning stuff on the news right alongside. Uh, the the whole country like they don't have intelligence ahead of time uh, and and yeah like you mentioned that bunker at uh, the White House that I, I think it's at the White House where Dick Cheney was uh, and and how the technology is so antiquated and like they run out of oxygen at one point like exactly. so many things like and they can't get a secure line to the airplane at, at different times and um, it's just amazing and so like thinking about how much has changed just in the world uh, since then is pretty amazing uh, but then even just things like the technology and the security i mean security at airports that's like something that affected everyone going forward and now it's so much stronger than it was before but yeah so many um things that you, you don't think about that have changed since then um but yeah but yeah you're right he doesn't he's at that that moment at the end where it, it has condoleezza rice saying that about um you know of course we we failed in in a in a big way that this happened at all and then it cuts directly to him saying what could we have done differently like of course I, I, basically like he doesn't have any regrets about that which is just fascinating to hear um and and like i, I don't know how i feel about that but yeah go ahead i feel like condoliza rice has personally done a very good job to be transparent in that interview mm-hmm. for the film um and there are also other interviewee or characters in the film. They have, you know, they they give some very personal and emotional insights of that moment. I really love the fact that, you know, although I'm not very um okay with, you know, the fact that they didn't press George Bush too much, mm-hmm. too much, but they really show you the human face of these um, leaders because again so many times when we see them on tv when we see them you know um in the media or at the white house or you know official events we think of them as people who have superpower Mm -hmm. who have solutions for everything but they were figuring things out also like every american people were doing during that day um um yeah, and also understanding some, the film also gives you the chance to understand some, you know, little stories that, you know, took place during that day. For example, um, the there's a lady, she's called Barbara, she mm-hmm. was killed in the, um, in the flight that landed in Virginia, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. She was a close friend of the president. And that moment, the president had to deal with this national crisis. And also, that was a personal moment for him. Another thing that I felt like was brilliant in that film is when the president um, talked about the phone call he had in Air Force One with her mom. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is something you don't get to see or you don't get to hear about every day when it's come to, you know, political leaders like George yeah. Bush. And in moment of crisis. Yeah. Um, I think that was really good. Too. yeah i re- I really like the moment too she says something like, like he says where are you and he's they say we're in milwaukee and he's like why are you in milwaukee and he's like because you grounded our plane like we didn't want to be here because <laughs> like, really, you did it's kind of a funny that was a really random conversation with yeah. the mom and the son and it really takes you you know back to the reality that these people they are human beings but yeah. it's sad that you know we had to learn these you know, or know about this aspect of the life in a very sad moment, mm-hmm. like 9-11. But yes, I think they do a very good job in terms of, you know, getting the insights of the decision makers yeah. during the day. And also this human aspect of, of mm-hmm. what, what was going on in their mind, what was going on what, what was their feeling having, for example, some tension between the president and the vice president, between Condoleezza Rice and the president, between the president chief of staff and the mm-hmm. president. They had to, you know, sometimes call down the president. The president was angry. He was forced to, you know, stay in position. He didn't want to be. Um, yeah, that was a very yeah. interesting documentary. Yeah, and I, I like those 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 human moments are probably some of the most stand out for me as well. So like we see Carl Rove crying at one point, talking about the day, and we see uh, I can't remember her name, but she she's like um, head of the Situation Room, and she she was on the plane with him, and like I didn't realize how many threats they had they felt to their personal safety. So they were, like you mentioned, there was the the feeling uh, or like the miscommunication that that someone on board Air Force One could have been uh, involved in the, in, the, in the attack, which is so interesting. And they found out that's misinformation. But then later, uh, some piece of intelligence suggested that this could have just been wave one of two and maybe they shouldn't go back. There's still more attacks to come or something. Um, but that, you that know, woman, go ahead, go ahead. Well, that was a very tense moment for me when I was watching the film, uh, when they were talking about the fact that um, they thought one of the person in Air Force One could be a threat. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, what they about to kill one person? Because you know, there is so much at stake. The life of the president is at stake. So, what would be the decision to take yeah. in the situation? That was <laughs> that was very very unbelievable for me. Like yeah. to be in Air Force One with the president and to think that anybody could be a threat. So. That was a moment, that was a day of big panic for America. Yeah. And many people, besides you know, the victims and the people who were very involved in that attack, um, but I guess the rest of the country knew very little about what was going on exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, really, really fascinating. Um, I, I'm so glad I've watched this. I think, you know, I was wanting to engage with, you know, the history of this since it is the 20, 20th anniversary in, in some way. And I think this is a good way to do it. And there are several, as you mentioned, several new things coming out. There's Netflix series and some five, six hour documentary series out. Uh, this one is just 90 minutes. And I think it, it, it provides a kind of unique perspective. So I'm so glad that I've I've watched this. Do you have any final thoughts on the film before we wrap up? Um, so yes, I think um, I was very much looking forward to you know 
what's something about speci- specifically George Bush? And I, when you suggested that we watch that film, I had no clue that was going to be the perspective. And I'm so glad um, that I got to watch it and, you know, to learn from these people and, you know, learn specifically from someone like Condoleezza Rice. I mean, she was powerful. She was very, very powerful. And um, yeah, I think she's still in a very good position in the political landscape today. She's very respected in the Republican Party. And I guess she was one of the first person of color or black person to be um, to be in that position, Secretary of State in the history of the country, right? I think that's correct, but I'm, I don't know my history well yeah, enough, but I think yeah, that's that right, yeah. That might be correct, but she was, she, was, she was in a very, very powerful position during that day. And, you know, you also see she had a phone call with Vladimir Putin, mm-hmm. not, yeah. not George Bush. She was on the phone with Vladimir Putin, and she had to be very strong to say, Mr. President, we are going to... Um, to what was it about yeah like kind of escalate their uh something about their their air force exactly she asked she urged vladimir putin to you know stand down kind of yeah Mm -hmm. yeah to step back because uh, you know u.s army is going to do something that was very powerful (laughs) so yes um i love um historical documentary and i love politics i guess this documentary gave me gave me a chance to enjoy those two area of interest politics and history so yeah i'm so glad i watch it i will keep watching more stuff about 9 11 um over the weekend maybe over the course of the rest of the year and you know to learn more about you know history and also it's always it's always inspiring to me whenever i watch a documentary i always try to pick something, whether it's the way that I should an interview, or we should talk about that. The interview, like they were beautifully shot. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I love the fact that they use a little bit of black. The background was not very well lit mm-hmm. because the focus was more on the character's face. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant. I loved it. Uh, so they didn't have the same background for everybody, but it wasn't distractive. So when you switch from one character to another one and they use archive not too much but it was well balanced one thing also i love is um the voiceover personally i don't like any documentary about voiceover because i feel like <laughs> they tell you what yeah. to see. i feel like you should let the viewers to see what they want to see but this is one of the few times for me voiceover were, was they made they they make a very good use of voiceover because they use it just to add context. For example, they tell you when the motor card was going to the school with the president uh, in Florida, what was going on. Because everything I watched before, I couldn't understand if um, the first um, airplane hit World Trade Center while the president was in the classroom or before. And actually, I learned that from the voiceover. So I think that was a very, very good use of voiceover. It was maybe they use voiceover less than five times. Yeah, I was gonna say it's very little, and I think that's very that's good. a good thing. Yeah. And each time they use it for a very, very good reason. So that was very good. And the voice also, because most of the time when we think of documentary voiceover, there is like a voice that is so 
dramatic, mm, right? right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't dramatic. The voice was like the voice of any of the people they interview. So you yeah. could barely um, realize, oh, this is a voiceover. So that was very yeah. good. Yeah, and the the narrator is uh, Jeff Daniels, the actor. So yeah, he, he does a good job, and and you're right, it's just it's just sparingly used, and and to fill in some of those gaps, and I think it 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 works really well. Yeah, the only other thing I wanted to say is just that. Um, so we we get a lot of archival footage, and you know I've I've seen the footage over and over, but it's still so shocking and so horrifying to to watch, uh, especially the the shots that are on the street in New York as the second plane's hitting, as the buildings are falling. And like, I think I've seen those sometimes without audio, but hearing the the reactions of the people on the street is really chilling. And, and that's probably the, um, the points in the film that are the hardest to watch and the most kind of emotionally wrenching. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's almost hard to wrap your mind around exactly, you know, what all happened that day because it's such an awful thing. Um, but it's 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 so fascinating and, and the effects that it had and everything. So yes, that is 9/11 inside the president's war room that is streaming on Apple TV Plus um, just for the day 9/11. Uh, that is going to stream for free. So if you don't have Apple TV, you can watch that on the actual 9/11 um, uh, for for free. So otherwise, you can watch it with a subscription. But all right, well, thank you so much, Obed. It's so fascinating to hear your perspective on this and and uh, just getting your perspective on different things through your films as well uh, is is really wonderful. So I thank you so much for for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. So this is the second time I've been to your podcast. I can all. I can almost say that I am part of the family. So. Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> friend saying, of the, yeah, we say friend of the show. I think. <laughs> Let me share that with you. There is a saying in French. I'm going to say in French. Maybe oh, I'll great. Which goes, jamais deux sans trois. Never two without three. Ah, all right. So we have to do it again. Is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, thank you for having me. It was a very interesting conversation. I got to learn, you know, from you. And thank you also for the opportunity to talk about my film you know you don't get a chance yeah. to talk about your own work so thank you for having me and also thank you for the recommendation to watch 9-11 inside the, inside the president's war room so yes as i said i will continue to watch more and i will catch up with you on social media and so yes i wish a very long life to all of you. Thank you so much. And yes, we have to do it at least one more time, I think. (laughs) Not just once, but yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Obed. And we will talk to you next time. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Big thanks to Obed for returning for that wonderful discussion and best of luck to him with his new film. Stay tuned next time. We'll get back to our regularly scheduled podcasts in which we are marathoning through the films of Wong Kar Wai which has been an incredibly rewarding experience so far. Uh, We also review a recent film in each episode, so you're bound to find something that you like. And with that, thank you, thank you for listening to Art House Garage. We've got a few years worth of episodes now, and you can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Arthouse Garage, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, or you can buy an Arthouse Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com shop. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter. That's at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew at arthousegarage.com. 
And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.